Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Today, I have Danny, the owner of Danny & Co. with me. So Danny was actually the first ever mortgage advisor to digitize the mortgage application process for brokers. And he was voted the Gloucestershire Live 30 under 30 and the Business Insiders 42 under 40, both in 2020. He's been featured in places like the Huffington Post, BBC, Financial Times and the FSB's First Voice. He's also shared a stage with Facebook and Google at regional and national events across the UK. So Danny is here and Danny obviously means business. Danny, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, mate. I know it's taken a while to get you get you on here. <laughs> Thank you for having me, mate. And um, that was possibly the best intro uh, <laughs> that I've had. So thank you. <laughs> you know what I do? I'll write that right now. And then I think, oh, they're sounding too scripted. So I kind of throw in little bits here and there. But trying to remember all of that and read it off the top of your head is is, is quite hard to do. But so, it sounds like... better you saying it than me saying it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you think as Brits, we're, we don't shout about our successes much, do we? The Americans are so good at it, but we're so terrible. Yeah, I think, I don't think it's, I don't think our problem is shouting about stuff. I think it, our problem is knowing when and in what context yeah. to shout about yeah. it. Because I think Americans just say it no matter what, you know, you'd be in the middle of a conversation about seafood and then, you know, start start telling you how good they are or you know how many how many rich people they've met or whatever you know different, different lives isn't it so you obviously run an extremely successful business and what danny does is he helps clients stand out compared to the competition so he's going to share some tips on exactly how to do that both in branding but also in written content as well and the best part is he used to be a mortgage broker so he knows exactly what the listeners are going through so I'm really excited for this episode and I'm going to be taking notes. So if you see me looking at my other screen, when you're watching this on YouTube, I'm not being rude. I'm taking notes on exactly what Danny's saying. So we're going to start. We always start with a few entry questions of you, who you are, what you do. So if you could give us a bit of a background to who you are, Danny, and what you do now, what you've done in the past. Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll give you a bit of a, a, you know, a long and short of it, let's say, um, so my name is Danny Matthews, and as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a designer. Uh, I was very creative at school, wanted to essentially, you know, like most creative kids, I think, I wanted to create cartoons and then do the silly voices that go with the cartoons, I think is what I wanted to do. Um, I went to an all-boys uh, public school that eventually became a sports college, just as I was leaving school, uh, possibly in the last couple of years. And... Um, when you go to an all boys sports academy, there's no real encouragement to be a creative person, right? Oh. There's no career path for a designer or a creative or an actor or whatever it might be. Um, so I just, you know, left school when I got a job, after job, after job, uh, until I landed a job in private health insurance uh, when I lived in Birmingham and worked for them for a couple of years and, and really got into the industry. Um, I really enjoyed the stories, I quite liked the fact that it was more of a luxury than a necessity, like general insurance or life insurance, those kinds of things. Um, and, you know, I had some really cool clients. So I insured the uh, the Princess of 
Jordan. And uh, yeah. when she came over to the UK, uh, she would get health insurance and, and I was the one to do it for her. Yeah, and it, it was great. You know, I had, I had a great time. I very, very quickly realized that I wanted his job. So my boss's job, who basically was an independent agent of a health insurance broker, a little bit like a, um, uh, an appointed representative. Yeah, so mm-hmm. same kind of model. And um, really enjoyed it. Obviously couldn't take his job. So I looked for something elsewhere and ended up moving down to Sirencester, where I started a uh, group medical insurance department of a uh, medical insurance broker. Um, and loved that. Stayed for, for a number of years, grew a little team there, uh, was very successful in it. Some great commissions from it. Um, let, a little side, side story. I remember I had a really good month one month. I think it was February or March. And when I got paid the commission in April, I think it was the first 10 grand pay, pay packet I got. And me and my wife booked to go to Vegas. Like, I don't think it was two weeks later. We, we blew every penny. To the to the point where I remember coming back and borrowing money for rent off of my mother-in-law. Blue ten grand. So that was fun. I just yeah. blew it. Yeah, there, there was a there was a, a car show and a music festival, a 1950 music festival there, which is what we're into. And uh, so yeah, we just blew it in, in Vegas, um, and put off getting married for seven years because we kept spending this money on traveling. Um, so yeah, I, I stayed there for a little bit and then left. And we, me and an old colleague. Uh, set up on our own and very very quickly went from private medical insurance to protection and life insurance and then realized that almost every conversation we had mortgages or houses were mentioned mm-hmm. and we so we very quickly found a theme and said what do we need to do to sell mortgages um, and someone said you need to be qualified so we did one of these intensive two-year courses in two weeks kind of things so you booked our CMAP exams, took them, passed, job done. Um, my business partner shortly after went his separate ways and I went mine. And very, very quickly, I got really frustrated with the mortgage process. Mm-hmm. The paperwork, the traveling, the face-to-face stuff, you know, it's slightly different now, but it was really frustrating at the time. And everyone that I spoke to just would push back all the time. So all of the lenders, the FCA, um, I remember sitting in a room with some serious officials trying to explain the difference between a forged signature and a digital signature. So if you imagine, I was a kid, right? You know, everything in perspective. I was this young guy sitting in a room with officials from the FCA and like people in banking and all these important people saying, you know, Nat West, you know, I have to write a wet signature and post it a declaration to you in in the post and it takes forever and could get lost um i could do a digital signature where it's time location and date stamped and verify with a passport office and you're telling me i can't use it and they were just stumped like didn't know what to say um slowly but surely they are changing but at the time it was just i was looked at like an alien um you're ahead of the curve with it a little bit i guess and um, the only thing I could think of is, I wonder if I could build a fact find that someone could complete remotely. So from their home, from their computer or their iPad or whatever. And I started oh, I'm to... Sorry, just for, just for context, what year yeah. was this that you designed the, the first digital fact find? 2016, not that long ago. Oh, okay. So it's quite recent. Recent. Yeah, yeah. Recent-ish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was in financial services, I think, in total for about 10 years. And um, 
yeah, it just got to the point where I, I had to try and find a solution to this thing that was so frustrating. Uh, and I went and looked online and found basically services that anyone can sign up to. And as long as you understood the logic string, the yes, no, what would happen if of the mortgage fact find process uh, compared to like the, uh, the research you do to recommend a mortgage lender, as long as you knew the logic strings that got to that point, essentially you could find software to make those decisions for you. It was like very basic artificial intelligence. So I decided to build it like a proof of concept and I branded it as if it was a startup. So I branded it as if it was a startup called Mortgage Digital Mortgages. You can probably still Google it and find the terrible, terrible things that are online now. Um, and I, I kind of vlogged a lot of the journey actually. So there are some strange videos of me driving in a car talking about mortgages somewhere. And um and it was, I mean, it was great. The whole process was brilliant. Um, what I didn't factor in is what I was going to do with it. I was going to use it, but um, I was also promoting it as if it was a startup. So what was I going to do with this thing? And slowly but surely, people started getting interest. And uh, I know this is a long-winded way of introducing myself, but slowly but surely, people got interested. And um, a couple of people said, can you come and help us kind of build something similar for, for our business? One, one in particular said come and build it for us. Um, we'll pay you handsomely. And uh, when you're finished, we'll point you to the board and you know, you'll have a great career and a great life and all the rest of it. So I agreed to it. And I spent 15 months building this piece of software. Bearing in mind, I'd never done it before. I'd never managed a team. I'd never built software. Um, yes, I had design experience, but I just went, yeah, I kind of know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know the decisions the system needs yeah. to make and I know what outcome I want I just need experts in development and coding and all that yeah. stuff to met to convert it to something people could use so the company that um I was contracted for I went uh worked for them for 15 months I think it was um and they were due to go and bid for a big government contract it was worth billions and um and they, they won it based on the fact that they could use this system efficiently, basically, to filter high-risk, low-risk business. And um, But in the process, uh, I had a serious episode of burnout. Um, I mean, it was 15 months of six-day weeks, you know, getting up at 4 a.m., traveling to London, getting back at midnight sometimes, okay. being wined and dined in the middle, but just falling asleep in my soup kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and there was a there was a final straw, and I lost all feeling from the waist down, and slight loss of speech, and uh, just called it a day, and that was almost my my out of the industry, if you like. But I loved it for the time I was there. So um, that's I probably would still be there. <laughs> I'd yeah, probably still be. Hadn't, there. hadn't have had the burnout. So when when was this? What year was this that you decided 17. to? Yeah. 2017 wow so it's not not that i thought it was a lot further back talking to you so mm -hmm. you we talked about it you went into a design job and you built up your clients what do you do today to help businesses so i, I help businesses to um build brand confidence and the way that i define brand confidence is um firstly there probably needs to be some context around what branding is Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people would understand branding as things like logos and colors and 
you know what's uh, what's written on your website and those kinds of things and it, it is to some extent but i think uh even though your clients and customers will see things like logos first they should be the last thing you do so i break down brand confidence into four areas which is strategy messaging behaviors and then identity and identity is the last bit uh, so i help businesses to reposition realign and and uh, re-engage their people through those four things wow so that's it's interesting to say that you've gone from designing software into this. Do you know what I mean? It's completely different. But you've spoken to lots of different companies all over the world, haven't you? You've dealt with loads yeah. of different companies. Why Why did you go into that rather than getting back into mortgages? Um, weirdly, it took a, it took quite a few months for me to recover from burnout, and um, and I I was only young, but. You know, I think I was 29 at the time and I was just about to turn 30 and I think I was having an early midlife crisis. <laughs> and uh, I remember turning 30 and, you know, for, for a wider context, this was a time in my life where me and my wife were told that it was very, very unlikely that we'd ever have children. And we were on our second round of failed IVF, uh, which was uh, quite a process. Anyone who's listening or, or watching that's been through uh, a process like that knows how um, how stressful and uh, um, emotional it can be for not just you and wife or husband, but actually the wider family that support you. Um, so we were going through that. And my wife's um, dad, my father-in-law, was just diagnosed with lung cancer. And we had been to look after him for about six months. And as we moved back down and said, you know, if we if we do get pregnant, we want to bring up kids where we lived in Sirencester, not Birmingham. Mm -hmm. um, so we were living with friends at the time and uh, when all of this happened. And uh, so as I was recovering, um, you know, from the burnout, I was at the kitchen table at my friend's house and my wife said, I remember when we first got together, you told me you wanted to be a designer as a kid. And actually back then I was going through the Prince's Trust to start an eco-friendly print and design business, weirdly. Um, so she reminded me of it and she said, why don't you just give it a go? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I was always told there was no money in it kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and she said, well, I'm not being funny, but you've hardly got anything to lose. Mm -hmm. uh, and I made a decision that I'd give it a go, basically. And um, I thought I could do the freelance thing or I could go get a job or whatever. And I just did both. I looked for a job while I did a 30-day logo challenge where I would wake up every day and before I started looking for a job, I'd spend an hour designing a logo to a fake brief. It's a great um, thing, by the way, online, it's called the 30 day logo challenge or something. You just sign up with your email address and they send you a brief every day. Okay. Um, so I did that every day for 30 days and I'd record my screen, speed it up like a time-lapse video and post it on social media. Oh, right. um, I mean, it took four days before I had my first inquiries and I was That's... designing logos. That's really interesting because I talk to a lot of our clients about doing behind the scenes content that mm -hmm. you doing that design of the logo on the fourth day to you, it's mundane. It's, it's the norm, not mundane because you're excited about it, but it's stuff that you do all day, every day. Yeah. But to me watching that, especially the logos, I'd be really interested in that. So it just shows by uploading something that you're doing anyway, to upload to social, it's generating your leads. And this is, 
I think where mortgage brokers, it's very hard for mortgage brokers because you can't look at, you can't record a screen of doing doing an application, but just showing a bit of a fake mortgage affordability calculator or showing something behind the scenes. Mm. Or somebody that's looking for a house will find that really interesting, I think. Yeah. I mean, the the most common comment or message I received said something along the lines of, I love them videos you're putting up. I can literally see you think. That was probably the majority of the messages I had. And I realized actually after a couple of times of, of someone saying it, I thought, I, I get that. You know, you're if you're looking for someone to design a logo for you and they're showing you the workings in their brain of how you're creating a logo, because you can see it on screen. You can literally see the shapes going into each other, uh, like punching out holes of things and making curves and and then you zoom out and it's this logo and you're like oh my god I can see the process of you doing that now my process is very different nowadays they were like they were done in an hour you know yeah. so there were concepts I just went oh that'd be fun an avocado and then I just decided an avocado and someone yeah. would go whoa that's really interesting how you linked the two circles and did the outline and all that stuff so what? yeah I think it was insightful for people just to see the process there's um there's a saying or there's a um something that happens and I can't remember what it is when you're looking for something you notice it everywhere. I yeah. can't remember what it's called. It's like the red car syndrome. I've just about had red car in my head. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure yeah. it is. If you're looking for a new car, you're looking for a red Hyundai. You'll only really see red Hyundai's or you'll notice it more. Mm. That's what I talk about. Content is if somebody's looking for a mortgage broker or they're thinking about it in the next six months. By you uploading, they will resonate with your content more than they would have 12 months ago. That's why you need to consistently be posting. It's exactly what you did with the logo video. That it's exactly why people think Facebook's listening. Because yeah. Yeah. you're subconsciously you're you're taking actions online that tell these platforms what you're interested in. So you'll say, I haven't I haven't even mentioned that or i said that in private or you know I, I haven't told anyone that i was looking for a kayak and yet i'm getting ads for kayaks and i'm like well if you're interested in water sports and stuff and you're or you're in an area around lakes or you've visited the lake district recently that's anonymous data that tells people or tells facebook all these platforms that you're interested in being around water so people are targeting you that way it's not that they've heard you say the word kayak that would be ridiculous <laughs> but that's how it feels that's how it feels to us when we're you know talking to alexa or whatever you know um, but that's the reason why yeah it's it's that it's just making sure you put content out there so when somebody's ready to take your service whatever it yeah. be in the world they've they've seen your content over the last six months and you've drip fed and this moves us perfectly onto onto the social media section of the, the podcast is when you're the four areas that you spoke about, can you mm -hmm. tell us how those four areas can help mortgage brokers stand out online to generate leads? Yeah, so generally the, the brand confidence philosophy is the thing that I created right at the beginning of my design career because I needed to find a way to increase the value of design. Um, it's amazing now uh, to see that designers are reaching board level uh, because larger businesses are starting to see a lot of data that suggests that design is the variable of something being successful and something not, whether it's marketing or whether it's PR or the photos they use or the words they use, whatever it is. Um, so I very quickly needed to shift from I'm a designer 
So I have something valuable to offer. So it's very often I'll tell people that, yes, design is my skill. It's actually what I enjoy. I love the creative process. But the value is in understanding people's behaviors and how they interact with brands, whether it's visually or through behaviors or how you contact someone through customer service or how you deal with their mortgage application uh, and the journey that they go through, um, which I'm sure we'll get onto, actually, because I think there's a lot to do from a behaviors and customer journey perspective in the broker to uh, broker to buyer or broker to mortgage um, kind of journey. Mm. Um, so brand confidence is broken down into those four areas. Strategy is really all about goals and vision and how you'll reach that vision. And there's loads of people that will say that that but we'll say that vision is you know something fluffy and it's not really needed, but it's it's absolutely a core part of it. Um, and this could be a very long podcast if I went through that. Um, yeah, keep it keep it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's important. So the strategy is all about vision and goals and, and how you're going to get there and how you fit in the market. You know, who are you? Who are they? Who are the competitors? Um, the second part is messaging. Messaging is what I have found personally to be the only part of the branding process you can do on its own and it will have the quickest and most impact on your business. And this is about translating what you believe in and your vision and, uh, and those things into phrases and taglines and words that uh, compel people towards you, whether it's to buy from you or be in your community or whatever it might be. Uh, and then behaviors is more about reputation and protection. So it's more about the things you do that back up the things you say. It's the reason sometimes when people miss out the behaviors part of branding, it's because uh, what that does is it shows people that you don't walk the talk. And then when you see people like uh, James Watt from BrewDog do something very different to what is pr promoted online, that's where there's a mismatch because the behaviors that are happening don't match the things that you're telling everyone uh, you believe in and, and what you're doing. So that's a really important part of it. Just being consistent from your yeah. way that you speak to people when you're offering them a service to how you portray yourself online. Make sure they marry up. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's purely a reputation protection kind of a, kind of thing that you do in branding. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth is identity. And I don't believe you can do, uh, and actually it's the reason that I created it. I don't believe that you can create a really good identity. I don't think you can do a really good job in brand design without doing the other three before it you have to understand the goals of the business you have to understand who it is you're targeting what market you're playing in what makes you unique or, or where you're placed where no one else might be for example uh, you know are you are you slotted into a white space that isn't being fulfilled um the messaging is really it's funny there's a i'm a big fan of a guy called donald miller as you know um who wrote a book called Building the Story Brand. And one of, the, one of the, the kind of facts that he says is that people will buy an inferior product from a competitor because it's communicated more clearly. And there's, there's a lot of truth in that. You know, there's a lot of times where you buy something off Amazon that looks a different size or is you're told is going to do something and you get it and it's completely different to what you expected. You know, there's been stories online of people that have bought furniture and it's turned up and it's dolls furniture, but because it hasn't been uh, shown or hasn't been, they haven't been told that it's dolls furniture or, you know, it hasn't been compared to a penny or whatever it might be, yeah. it's arrived and they're like, what the hell is this? Didn't have, yeah, the dolls um, have stuff, yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
so it's really important that you match up what you do with what you say. And then, and then the identity piece is really converting what you know and believe about your business and who you're targeting into something that visually communicates with, with them. And this is where a lot of people go wrong because a lot of people build their brand based on what they want it to look like and feel like. Mm. But what you want it to look and feel like doesn't attract the right people to your business. Um, so there, there is a little bit of a mismatch when going through the process. And it's hard to pull yourself outside of that if you do it yourself, mm-hmm. which is why there's people like me that go in and, you know, tear it apart and, and go through a process and make sure that it, that it works. You know? And it's interesting that you spoke about before before the podcast, we spoke about colours of logos and things. Like, obviously, I'm really big on colour. And I'll be honest, that my colours I picked because I wanted that vibrancy, but I still wanted that blue to show that professionalism. Mm-hmm. You have people that you'll design a logo and there might be one red, one yellow. And you'll present it to them and they will say, well, I prefer red. And you actually say, well, yellow is actually more resonate more with your audience. It's, it must be, it's very hard as a business owner to take that step back and say, I'll need to create something for my clients, but that's like everything, isn't it? It's like your website, your logo and your social media content really needs to apply to your audience, not yourself, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're on social media talking about rates um, with different lenders, um, some people might be vaguely interested if they're interested in financial markets and that kind of thing. What they really want to know is, can I buy this expensive house? Yeah. <laughs> like it's the really simple surface level stuff. Can I buy this really expensive house? Um, can I have, can I add a, conservatory or build an extension uh you know all that kind of stuff can i afford to live near the beach they don't want to know that it's going to be 3.26 percent it's simplifying it for people isn't it and i suppose simplifying it we need to talk about the messaging part so you said the messaging Mm -hmm. part as part of the the story brand is the most important and can have the most effective results what what is it in messaging that makes that so successful to generating leads? It's the story you tell um, about your brand. And don't get this confused because a massive, I can visit anyone's website and tell you whether it performs for them. And it's dead easy. There's a really fine line between a website that demonstrates authority and, and, uh, and expertise and a website that just says, I'm the best. And um, there's a lot to do with uh, new, um, neuroscience that goes into this, So, and which is why I say it's a fine line. So for example, I can, uh, you can go to any website and it will say something along the lines of, we're, um, we're experts in mortgages. We've got 30 years of experience in residential mortgages and we can get you the best rates. Um, that is a, they are phrases and sentences that are what I call we sentences or I sentences. They're all about you. And what's interesting is that when people land on a website, even though your intention is good, you know, and your intention is that you want to tell people about your experience and your expertise and why they should work with you. Uh, actually their brain, their kind of back of their brain says, this isn't about me. So they put, so they go away. They don't do anything because you're not talking to them. You're not 
they're not compelled in any way to take any actions. You're just telling them about you. So turning that on its head is really simple, actually, because all you have to do is turn the sentences into you or your sentences. For example, um, if I was a, a mortgage customer and I landed on a website that says, we've got 30 years experience and we're the best in mortgage advising or whatever, I'd probably be put off or bored to death and I'd just go somewhere else. If I landed on a website that said the best mortgage rate guaranteed, I'd probably be more interested because all of a sudden that's about what I can get out of this relationship. And don't get me wrong, there's always a space for telling people why they should work with you, which is part of the, the story building, the story brand process but it comes much, much later. Um, first, people need to connect with what you're offering or what, what they can get out of working with you. And then they need to be, they need to realize problems and then they need to be guided through a process before you start talking about why they should work with you. And that's what's really worked for me over the last few years. So switching that. So I know there'll be a lot of people listening to that when you say the best mortgage rate guaranteed, obviously from a compliance yeah. point of view, you can't <laughs> the best, but how would you, cause I'm thinking in my head, instead of saying we have 30 years experience, would you change it to you can benefit from 30 years worth of experience? Is that the switch or do you need to even yeah. go on a deeper level? Right. Okay. That That's a really simple, this is why I say it's a fine line. It's literally the simplest switch with a you or you're instead of a we or I. Um, so yeah, you're, um, I'm trying to think of an example on the spot. Maybe I'll think of one in a bit, but um, but yeah, essentially you just need to switch the sentences. So when someone reads it, their subconscious says, this is about me mm -hmm. and it's not about you. And that's how probably the biggest mistake that people make. How do you do that with social content? And what do you talk about topics wise? doesn't even have to be in the mortgage world, but what do you, what do you put on social to make it about the consumer rather than about how good you are? So if you understand their problems, you just talk about it from their perspective. So what a lot of people do will say, we'll talk about rates and rate increases or changes or criteria changes or whatever it might be. But they talk about it as if they're advising someone or, um, or talking about the topic themselves instead of talking about, the type of people it will benefit and why it will benefit them mm. um, because they're very different conversations to have. If I was talking to you about, um, you know, if I was putting things on social media saying uh, this is the rate increases and this is criteria change with lenders instead of if you wanted to do X and you have this much money, you can no longer do it. And here's why. So that's, and again, that's a very fine line between, I'm talking about me telling you stuff to uh, I'm showing you the benefit of understanding this information. Yeah. That's probably where the fine line is. And, and it is, it's so subtle that most people miss it. Mm. And that's why I think most people go wrong. I think that's But you can tell immediately. You can, you can see it from seeing it consistently, yeah. but thinking about it now, looking at TikTok as a platform. Now they're obviously not Facebook and Instagram are a lot more. They've, they keep an eye on the financial side, TikTok. They've just started doing it. But on TikTok, yeah. there's a lot of people saying, if you want to buy a house at £240,000, you have to be on this much income, this much debt. And they get away with it a lot more on, on there. But it's exactly like you say, it's making it about the client rather than telling them what you can do. So a lot of our, our content that we create for people, we've made that switch from we can help you get help to buy a loan 
and we can help you with a help to buy mortgage. Instead, we've shifted it to how could a help to buy mortgage help you get a home? And we've done that without even realizing, but you mm. made that point. It's that switch to tell the customer how they can help. Like we spoke about subconsciously, they might have been looking at the help to buy loan. And that yeah. bit of content is the one that the one that grabs them. So mm. I suppose what you're saying is these people, mortgage brokers that are sat there doing business with people is to take ideas of how they've helped people and, and repurpose that into content itself. That's the easiest thing to do ever. Uh, that's the easiest, most relevant, and what I believe would have the best return. Mm -hmm. Because uh, all you're trying to do is you're trying, you're trying to describe a, like an ideal client's perfect scenario what most people don't realize is they've done it before a hundred times. Mm -hmm. So they just need to talk about them. And, you know, you can change their names if it's, you know, data protection or, you know, privacy or whatever. But, you know, you just have to talk about the scenario. If you're a family of three that are expecting another child and you're thinking about moving house, extra room, bigger garden, long-term family home, you know, life home or whatever, um, you might want to consider the difference in child benefit or, uh, the difference in how much it costs for childcare further down the line or whatever it might be. So you're, you're trying to mirror the type of mortgages that you can give these people. Um, and you're just, you're just amplifying that to more of the same people, which is why the TikToks are doing really well. Because the people show up and say, do you know what? If you want to live near the beach and you're, and you're a couple and you're thinking of start, starting a family, you're going to need an average in Cornwall here like, I don't know, Penzance, if you want going to move to Penzance on the coast, less than five miles from the coast, um, you're going to be looking at an average house price of this. And if you've got a deposit of 20%, then this could get your mortgage of this and a really great rate. Just a 5% difference in deposit will increase your rate to this. That, and that's as of today, um, with a little bit of like disclaimer. And that tells someone who's looking to move near the coast, who's starting a family, all of a sudden that, they might need a little bit more deposit or they might not, you know? Um, a great one that I, I think most people who listen or watch this one know is the thing that people always forget when they buy their first home is I've got the fee, I've got the deposit, I've got the fees. Uh, you mentioned stamp duty and I've kind of got that. I might have to borrow money from mum. And then they move into the house and they've got no furniture. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. so that bit of content would be great because first time buyers would go oh god I never realized actually we're going to need to buy sofas and beds and mattresses and that all adds up so we might need to save another three four grand or whatever um you know it's, so that, to, yeah, it's, create, it's creating content that's relevant to what they're going through at the moment and yeah this is I'm big at talking to brokers at the moment is People are, mortgage brokers are asking people to follow them on social when they're asking for a Google review at the end. But mm -hmm. it needs to be on the first appointment is to say, follow us on social because they're excited. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're going, if they're a first time buyer, it'd be great for them to see that post about the furniture because they can discuss to their mortgage broker, ah, we're probably better off putting 5% down than 10% because we forgot yeah. we need to buy all the, the fun stuff essentially. Yeah, so when I when I mentioned that behaviours is really important and, and most people miss it, that this is kind of where it comes in. Mm -hmm. So I wonder how many brokers, mortgage brokers that are listening or watching to this, have ever mapped out the journey they go through and what the sentiment is at each stage. So how are they feeling at each stage? Are they feeling 
nervous because they don't know what the rates are going to be? Are they feeling really happy because they've got the mortgage acceptance? Mm -hmm. Are they feeling a little bit confused because they didn't realise they'd have to pay these extra fees? You know, what is their sentiment and feeling at each stage of what they go through and what can you do to alleviate it? And it could be as simple as you sending a postcard to say welcome to your new home or a little bank, a little basket of stuff or whatever um, to let them know that. A phone call at this point because they might be confused when they get this list. As simple as that. Exactly. Or it might be actually when they're the most happy like on the scale, they're most happy, ask for a testimonial and make sure you get it like and. Don't just send them an email and say, can you leave us a Google review? Say, can we jump on a call and record it? And all of a sudden, you've got an amazing bit of content when they're absolutely ecstatic. And they're going to tell everyone how amazing they feel because they've got their dream home. What an amazing piece of content. This is what I was about to say. I've seen somebody do it today. Exactly what you're speaking about. Um, Nicola from DM Mortgages. I saw her on LinkedIn and she she does a lot of YouTube stuff herself. And there was a video testimonial from a client. And I said, how do you get them to do this? Because it's a big thing. People aren't confident going on camera. She says she said she asked them very nicely at the end and they send a film crew to them. They send somebody to record it. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of it's this big thing for the client that they're being featured, which I think is a yeah. lovely thing because you're giving something back then. And yeah. it's funny you mentioned that. I'll give a shout out to Nicola, follower on LinkedIn, DM Mortgages. That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when, and that's what you do in obviously with your product is you assess on the journey where mm. what customers are feeling at certain points, and you could tailor content via social, via email, via actual print through a postcard really clever way of doing it i think if you're if you're really local um hand delivering a basket or bouquet to that person's house when they're in is amazing Mm. it's like surprise and delight you know they've dealt with you on the phone or on zoom or whatever the whole time or they only met you once at the start of the process and you've helped them do this thing seeing you again is such a nice thing um you know, every now and again, you know, inviting people to like a barbecue if you're that, you know, that way inclined or whatever is and a really nice really, way just to keep in touch. It's really important now as well, because as the market slows down and there's less purchases and it looks it's going to be that way for the next couple of years, is, is these people that are signing up for mortgages now, a hand delivered bouquet, an invite to a barbecue will make you be remembered in two or three years time when their fixed rates up. Would they recognise a basic postcard that went through the door, probably more so than if you did nothing. But if they're, they will remember you, if you drop off flowers or do you know what I mean? Send them something. I think that's a, a huge thing. And, don't, that journey. and don't wait, don't wait till six months before their fix ends, because you, then the feeling is like, you're only getting in touch because you want the business. Do it way before, way, way, way before. Like do it after a year, not after three years. Do you know what I mean? You do it when, when it's nice to do it not when it benefits you <laughs> as a it's funny because i've seen you go back into mortgage broker mode since we've been speaking about this you've gone back into it. so you're giving away the story selling pdf aren't you to the listeners Ye- yes so uh it's so the story selling pdf is is a little bit of magic actually that that tells you the things you need to do to create your your brand's story if you like and this isn't something where you're going to tell a story about a cl- about you know, your business and the where you came from. This is the story about one of your clients, for example. 
And it's amazing when you go through the process, how much it forces you to simplify things. Um, so the story selling PDF is, is, a, is a free download that I've put together. Um, you can download it at dannyand.co forward slash story selling and just go through the process and understand about the tiny tweaks you can make that make a big impact. Mm-hmm. And when I've done, when I originally didn't did this, I changed the, the text on my website, didn't redesign the website. All I did was change the text on the website. And um, from that January, I started to generate between one and two leads a day, purely from pushing people there from social media. And um, my bounce rate, which is the rate that people that people get to the website and then bugger off again, went from 90 to about 13%. 13, wow. Yeah, because people were more engaged, even if they weren't ready to do business, they were more engaged in the story, like the flow and what they were reading and what the, we were talking about. They were so engaged that they would get to the bottom and at least... Um, what they would do is download a PDF or download like a free resource or something. That was the least that they would do. Um, so I, so it's now the only part of the brand confidence process that I remove completely and do on its own because it's the, it's the quickest and best, re- you'll get the quickest and best results from doing that first if you want like a quick win. And then if one day you want to look at your brand in a little bit more depth and go through the other stages, then you can do that. But the story brand, story selling element of of the process is the most powerful, I would say, for quick results. Go and download that. It's completely free. So the website is Danny and, which is and.co forward slash story selling. That's correct. Yep. Go and and take a download to that. Right. We're going to move on to the strategy question. But before the strategy question, we make a donation of £10 to a charity of your choice for saying thank you for coming on, Danny. Which charity did you want us to make a donation to? Uh, If you could uh, send it to the Fertility Charity, um, then that'd be great. Uh, Just related to my story and uh, just to help other couples go through that process. I'm happy to say, by the way, that now... Uh, through our first round of IVF, we now have two children, one three and one, one just turned one. Um, awesome. So it's not all doom and gloom. And actually, we have a number of friends that have been or are going through the same process. So it's uh, something really close to us. Great. So that that could help. And you're saying summer holidays are an absolute nightmare at the minute, aren't you? Yeah, chaos. <laughs> you're juggling chaos. here, there and everywhere. <laughs> right. Let's finish with the strategy question, which I know a lot of people like to listen to. So we're going to pretend that you've moved to the north of Scotland. You've got a laptop, a mobile phone, and an internet connection. What would you do to start generating mortgage business? Oh, great question. So if I was a mortgage broker and I was in that scenario, I would open my laptop, open Mortgage Brain or whatever you use these days. Yeah, I think uh, it still is Mortgage Brain. Mortgage Brain or what was the other one? I forget. I forgot the one that I used to use. Um, uh, iris 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 yeah, they're, they're st- yeah i've seen those about yeah i don't really yeah because they're not they're not far from me they're in cheltenham i think so oh, um, not far from me uh, so if that was me and i was a mortgage broker i would get a piece of paper and write down uh 100 scenarios so buying a house of a particular size or price um you can just go through your client list really and just say, what was their scenario? What was their scenario? And literally do it as detailed as that. 
And then I would create video content based on that using the story brand process. And then I would repurpose it. So every single day I would do a different scenario. The first day might be a couple buying their first home, what deposit they need. And I would just tell the story of that client. So um, every day it would be Jenny and David um, saved for four years for a deposit of 20,000 pounds and they were finally buying their first house. Their biggest problem was that they didn't count, didn't uh, think about stamp duty and didn't have any money for furniture, even if they did buy the house. I told them that they could get this rate with this lender, but if they could just save another few thousand pounds, it would help them to get a better rate or it would help them to buy furniture and that would put them in a better state further down the line. I would literally tell that story every single day. And um, once I'd told that story, I would repurpose the video into audio and I would start a podcast called Mortgage Scenarios or something. I don't know. <laughs> Just off the top of my head. Uh, mortgage Stories. Uh, and I would post it to there as audio. Um, I would then create uh, process cards, sliders for Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, about the process that that story break basically but on slides as a process and i'll post that to linkedin and instagram i will create reels that do a similar thing but in short so i would do you know this is going to sound ridiculous now but i would do uh the the six things jenny and david need to do to get their the best mortgage for their first home <laughs> the proper tiktok instagram real style yeah, yeah. honestly one of them and i would do that and then uh and then i would create a pdf download which was uh the 17 things you need to do before you fire uh, buy your first home and i would link that to every single post that i do and then the next day i would do the exact same thing now most people would listen to me or watch me say that and say where the hell do i get the time to do all that number one you is <laughs> how they do it number two actually it doesn't take as long as you think it does um if you had a decent process and to be fair once you've done 10 of them you, you're on a roll you know yeah, what to do every day exactly you get up you get your phone out and you go bang 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 that's what i'm doing today you record it you spend 10 minutes doing that you do this you do this and you have templates set up and jobs are good and, and then maybe you get your admin person or a va to do it once a day and it costs you 30 quid for an hour for them to send it everywhere. Perfect um, example that you, sorry to put in, um, uh, podcast episode with Anish Patel. If anybody's listening, go back and listen to that. He records one video and it takes him, he's narrowed it down to 12 minutes and he's able to post to all the different video channels. So YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, I've seen his content. Yep. Yeah. So he's got it down to 12 minutes. So go and listen to that. If you, if nice. Danny's saying there is if you can really narrow down that process, you can do it in 12 minutes. So all of this is doing it one day and just repeating it with a video every other day, isn't it? Every yeah. Day. Yeah. And I mean, if you can't do it every day, do it, do the video on a Monday and then do the repurpose of, I don't know, the TikTok on the next day and then do the slideshow thing on a Wednesday and then do, you know, and you can spend a whole week on one scenario if you mm. wanted to and then do a different one the next week. Um, you know, use use whatever time you have. Uh, but that means that you're, because I, I heard something once that ideally you need to spend five, five times as much promoting or marketing the thing than creating the thing. So 
if it takes you two hours to research and do a mortgage, you should be spending 10 hours marketing that scenario yeah. um, to, get, to get the results that you want. And I think that's quite a good rule of thumb from, from experience. Quite I think that works well. Isn't it? No, that's, that's a great way to do it. As you're talking about people scenarios, you don't have to magic content out of thin air. Content is, take what Danny's saying is take it from your experiences with clients mm-hmm. and go and download that story selling. That that's an absolute piece of gold. I'm going to go and download it now and run through it. Danny, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. There's so thank much you. there. Again, I always say this: I'd rewind back through this, do the old hit the old rewind button, get back to the beginning, and go and take loads of notes from this. I think what I'm going to take from this is that customer journey is instead of just firing randomly, is look at when your customers the happiest, look at when your customers maybe the most nervous, the most stressed when they need most support and and speak to them at those points Mm. any parting pieces of wisdom to the people listening Dana? most graphic designers will have you believe that if it looks good it will do good and it won't make sure you do the work first and um understand your audience and your competitors and your market and where you fit as Mm. soon as possible because the world has changed so much uh the way that people behave, the way that people buy, the way that people communicate has changed so much. If you're not constantly doing the little tweaks to realign yourself to how people are behaving and buying stuff now, um, it will only be a matter of time before they go somewhere else and not to you. So make it a a little and often task to tweak and update your brand, Mm -hmm. Um, whatever that might be, strategy, messaging, behaviors, identity, whatever it is. Uh, because the biggest thing I see is that people leave it too long and then they say we haven't rebranded in 10 years and we look really old and then it's a big job. Your brand should be a living thing. It shouldn't be a set it and forget it. So um, little things and often tweaking your messaging, tweaking colors of your logo, you know, making it more print friendly or whatever, you know, there's little things you can do. Uh, And actually I could probably write hundreds of them. Um, So yeah, yeah. and make sure it fits the purpose it if it looks good it doesn't always perform and that's so important we talk about color we talk about the branding of the posts that's very important but if you're just saying we do mortgages it's not going to go anywhere you need to be if you know that you're trying to target buy to let investors that are looking at hmo mortgages you need to make sure your posts are around that you can't mm-hmm. just say we do mortgages and look pretty. You need to have substance behind it. So, Danny, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. And you can thank connect you. with Danny on any Danny Matthews or Danny and Co. His website. Thanks very much, Danny. We'll catch you soon. Really. Thanks, Chris. So, thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.